Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Number two. Um, because God wants us to be blessed. Uh, in a moment or two, we're going to go down a particular aspect in the time we've got, and there'll be two or three scriptures that will come up, and then two or three slides just to help us uh, with the message. But let me just take you back over three years to uh, a staff meeting. On a Tuesday uh, in the arena, we have, uh, for around about an hour, a staff meeting um, normally in Christians' office. That's people that work in community, people that work in pastoral Uh, people that work in uh, the organization there's normally about 12 people there right at the heartbeat of of uh, of by God's grace uh, ministering in the life of arena and uh, we uh, we uh, watched uh, a little bit of teaching from uh, uh, an American pastor called Dr. Robert Morris Pastor Robert Morris on the blessed life I have to say that when you first heard it Robert's an all-American man uh, it would have been easy to push this away as being defined by a a national corporate culture uh, of the United States of America. However, it was impactive. It touched people's hearts. It, uh, it took us on a journey. And it took us on a journey because this pastor had been on a journey. Uh, now a very experienced pastor, well into his 50s, uh, leading a, a big uh, mega church, gateway church in Texas. But before his conversion, he ran drugs and he was touched by the power of God. And not only touched by the power of God in conversion, but to realize that God wanted us to be blessed. And that when we bless, we'll inevitably always be generous. I can only say that on Pastor Robert's life has been a grace to teach on the blessed life. There was a little bit of teaching that ran out in arena on a Sunday and um, it, uh, it began to bring some shifts to the church. And as I look back now, it became a, a precursor to Christians sharing on the 2020 vision of last year, this year, and next year, uh, a, a great uh, faith call for us to be generous in the life of the church. And so to release up some of those major aspects of uh, what define us as a church going forward that touch the community on the doorstep of the church but also reach out uh, to uh, missional contacts that we have uh, throughout the earth and everything in between. And last year, in response to that uh, uh, faith call, uh, this church uh, committed and gave over uh, a six-figure sum, which was quite remarkable, and we give thanks for that. So over the next two or three weeks, as we lead up to that joint service at Mansfield, on the uh, 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 at the end of at the end of March, uh, we're going to be just talking about the blessed life. We're just going to be talking about two or three principles that help us to be blessed. And this morning, uh, if we can go to the next slide, Daniel, I want to talk particularly about stewardship. Stewardship, and I want us to realise this morning that every one of us, any, every one of us, are called to be a steward, and uh, <clears throat> that uh, as we Uh, increasingly put into action the principles of stewardship, we will inevitably position ourselves to be blessed. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, it's the beginning of the teachings of Jesus. At that time, people were weighed down by religious burdens and political oppression And they were really looking for somebody to turn all the tables of that. But Jesus said, I've I've not come to do that. I've 
come to talk about another kingdom. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that touches earth. And so he began to talk about people being blessed. Blessed are those that depend upon me, that are poor in spirit. That's what the word means, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that are meek, which is not weak. It's actually the very opposite. It means strength under control. Blessed are those that are hungry for God, that are merciful, that are pure, that are peacemakers. And yes, blessed are those that are even persecuted. In the Amplified Bible of the Bible, Bible, which tends to, as it gives vent to, amplify verses. It always takes me to a lady at Beth Sham when we're on the journey there and we used to do a teaching night and she always used to bring the Amplified Bible. And I did say to a shadow, we want to finish before midnight, you know, and, but, cause, because, um, but the Amplified word for blessed is this. It means to be blessed and happy and to be uh, envi- to, and enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous. That is, in the state of which one enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favour and salvation, regardless of outward conditions. We were reminded in the worship time this morning that whatever our circumstance, God is good and he's great and he's always for us. And he wants us to be blessed. So if we can go to Luke chapter 16 this morning, Uh, We're going to have two verses that I want you to particularly think about. And here they are. The first one in the New King James Version says, Give account of your stewardship. In some of the translations that you may have, it says, Give account of your management. And then verse 10 says, That whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Now, there in Luke 16, we've got a rather unusual parable. If you don't mind this morning, for the sake of time, I'm not going to specifically unpack the parable line by line, but I'm going to top and tail it because these verses are at the beginning and the end of a story that Jesus talks about a steward. Give account of your stewardship and whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. You know, it's amazing how God wants to touch us and minister to us. And so I want us to go to uh, the first stewardship, uh, the first point. Steward, I want, there's three things I want to talk about stewardship. Here's the first one, if we can leave that up. Stewardship, a realization. What does it mean to be a steward? <clears throat> A few weeks ago, at the beginning of the year, we started our, or we, we, we completed also our Don't Forget series. Talking about not forgetting worship, not forgetting prayer and fasting, not forgetting the Bible, and not forgetting the gathering. And in that message on the gathering, we, we talked about sometimes how people push back on gathering together. One of the things would be, well, all they bothered about in, your, in the churches, it's just what they can get from you. All they're bothered about is that they want your money. That, that is not the case. In fact, Arena Church, in the rhythm of its spiritual journey, is passionate about four things. Number one, that we'd know God. And if you don't know God in Jesus Christ this morning, we, we do say uh, with grace, but unapologetically, he is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father 
but by me. We want you to continually find freedom and we're all on a journey of finding freedom. We believe that a context that helps us to do that is finding a small group where we're continually working out the process of what God is doing in our lives. Did you know that God still uses imperfect people? But he uses imperfect people that are committed to the process of becoming more like him. And he can, he can deal with that tension. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a response from the heart. We're passionate about people discovering their purpose in life. And everybody here has got something unique, a talent. I'll come back to it later. A gift. And it's just amazing how God can redeem that gift you know, I've seen people that have come to Jesus that had very little education. Um, they, 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 for various reasons, didn't commit themselves to study. Uh, they didn't commit themselves to many things in life that would have seemed to push back. But then Jesus gets all of their life and they realize that there's something in them that he wants to draw out. And they begin to operate in gifts in their life that they never thought were possible, but they were always there. It was just waiting for someone, God, to draw out what was inside their life. And then we want to believe that you can make a difference. You can make a difference. So me? Yeah, you. You will meet people this week that other people won't meet. You will engage with people this week that other people won't engage with. And you can bring all that into the life of the community of the church and with everybody else make an amazing, amazing difference. I've just washed over again this week to realise, friends, that whatever we want to do in the life of the church, it is totally impossible for it to be done through one person. It really is. It's through a body that finds its purpose and begins to yield, join together, the Bible says, ligament against ligament, finding its purpose in the body of Christ. And this week we're in a context of community uh, tr- uh, trustees and we realize that there's so much work that goes on to make uh, uh, to oil the wheels of the life of arena church and many of us don't even know about a lot of it at times but gifted committed people that are making their difference is brilliant so a realization of a steward let me give you a definition because when you're thinking about a steward you probably talk about, about that blow that stands behind the bar you know well he's He's a, he's a steward. And, and that guy at the cricket ground that tells you off if you run past the side screen at the wrong point, he, he's a steward, you know, and he, he does wear a white coat. You know, many white coats, they take you to Trent Bridge sometime. They're there. Stewards. Uh, but he, he's more than that. A steward, it, listen, a steward in the biblical definition of the word is in charge of a property that belongs to somebody else he's in charge of a property she's in charge of a property that belongs to something else and there's a verse that I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 16 19 to 20 says these words do you not know that your bodies are temples or buildings of the Holy Spirit listen which is in you whom you have received from God You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honour God. It may be this morning that you've never committed your life to Jesus and become a committed Christian. And before the service is finished, we love to give opportunity for people to respond. 
But if you're on that journey this morning, and for all of us that have done that, and we believe it's the greatest decision that we've ever made in our lives, ordinary people committing themselves to an extraordinary God and realising that life only really works out of relationship with him. But when you do that, you give over this body, soul and spirit. The spirit of God dwells in us and we realise that we are no longer ours, we are his stewarding what he has given to us. So stewardship a realisation and then stewardship a responsibility. Just think for a moment of a structural property. And uh, as I said in the Old Testament, God indwelt structural properties. And looking at your life as a property this morning, as a house, as a flat, whatever you want, as a bungalow, but as a property. And we have to take responsibility for it. Let me just mention two or three things. Number one, you're to guard the property. John 10.10, 10, it's already been quoted this morning in a, in a pre-service. But the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's another bit to it. But I am come that you might have life and life in all of its fullness. Or as the old translation says, more abundantly. There's a hymn on that as well. One or two of you have just gone there. But we are to God. The the thief comes to steal. The thief, friends, in the context of the scripture, is the one that wanted to hurt the sheep. It's the enemy, the devil, whatever you want to call him. But he loves to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's where he wants to take people. He's been doing it in the eons of time. And he still wants to do that. And we need to guard the property. It may be that some of you have got a burglar alarm or a sensor on your house or one of these lights that blinds everybody when you walk up the... It's okay. It's okay. Whatever it is. But for various reasons, you may feel that you need to guard the property. And uh, in this church, we, we, we recognise that the enemy would steal from us if he could. Uh, we, we, we had a revelation some, some years ago because we realised these four things came against Jesus. Religion, rejection, control and offence. And we realised that we had to bar them at the door because the enemy loves to use those things to steal from the church. And I want to encourage you to guard your property. I want you to be encouraged to be careful how you live, to ensure that you don't let anything into your life that would push against God so that you will continually be positioned to be blessed. Here's what happens when we don't guard the property. We then become bitter and we begrudge. Something gets in us and every time God's talking about being blessed and a blessed life leading to being generous, something, because we've not guarded the property. We've not kept open unto God. Not only guarding the property, but maintaining the property. Wouldn't you just wish if you never had to make another maintenance bill on your property? 
It may be that you've come out of winter and there's some windows that need looking at or the roof's got to have a look at or some pointing to be done. Ooh. We got a bill this week for a job that we had done three years ago and the guy says, it'll only be £360. They always put that only in front. Yeah. And it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Maintaining the property. You imagine 20, 30, 40 years, well, it'll sort itself out. That chimney pot's going to fall off. It'll be okay. I mean, we've got a hurricane coming this afternoon, so get okay. So uh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It won't be okay because it creates bigger and bigger and bigger problems. And I encourage you to maintain the property of life. That's why we said, don't forget the importance of prayer. Don't forget this year the importance of reading something from the Bible every day. Don't forget the importance of giving first worship to God. Don't forget about gathering because it maintains the property. And then thirdly, we need to surrender the property. There's a little word, friends, that often pushes back on us being positioned to be blessed and therefore a great steward. And it's simply this, mine, mine, mine. So we may be believers, but we said to God, mine, my life's mine. My gift is mine. My abilities are mine. My finances, they're mine, 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 mine. But as we've said, a steward understands that he's taking responsibility for something that doesn't belong to him and the more we grow in the christian faith we find ourselves saying his 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 you see your time is not yours your talents your gifts are not yours your treasures your resource your finance your wealth they're not yours they're all his they all belong him and as we go on the journey of becoming a Christian and as we realize increasingly that the property that is ours actually belongs to someone else him so it continually positions us to be entrusted to use what he's given to us well and we find ourselves increasingly not moving into a mine mentality but into a surrendering mentality and heart that brings a whole new perspective and attitude. We find that when God speaks to us about giving to him, he's no longer begrudgingly. He's no longer holding back. He's no longer because there's so many things in the property that push against it. But we find ourselves responding willingly. That's what they did in the Bible. We find ourselves responding cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. And and, uh, the word there uh, in the original language is where we get our word humorous from. God loves a humorous, a cheerful giver. Now, some of, our, uh, some of our congregation from African backgrounds will know how this gets put into place in amazing ways. You know, folks, something coming down to the platform as the music's playing, it's a whole new experience. You know, it, it, you've got to be there sometime. There's just nothing like it. But the whole sense of giving cheerfully is incredible. Giving regularly. Not just when we feel like it, because it's his. 
and giving generously. It says in, in the book of Corinthians that in the Thessalonian church, out of their extreme poverty, welled up an extraordinary generosity. That is amazing. So I encourage you, friends, also to realise the responsibility of stewardship. And then we come to the final point, which is stewardship a reward. Stewardship a reward. Now, please hear me on this. It is so important here that our motivation in stewardship is not simply for reward. This church does not believe that we give to get. It really doesn't. It doesn't believe that we're, we're sort of pushing a button that means that if we push you in a certain way, you can... It doesn't mean that. But having said that, the more we move ourselves into being positioned to be stewards of what God has given us, the more we position ourselves to be blessed. Let me read two verses to you. The first one's from the Message Bible. And it's Jesus talking in a context of being ready. Being ready. You know, I've lost some people saying, when do you think Jesus is coming again? Well, I don't know. I want to live ready. I think that's the message of the Bible. We've had people put adverts in papers and magazines and second guess it. They've always been wrong, you know. But let's live ready. So in Matthew 24, it says these words. He says, who here qualifies for overseeing? Or we could put the word steward in there. In the kitchen. A person the master can depend on to feed the workers every day. The master drops in unannounced and finds him doing a good job. It won't be long before the master puts this person in charge of the whole operation. You see, if you can be entrusted with a little, God says, I'll start to give you much. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, God is able to bless abundantly so that in all things, all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. There are people across Arena Church congregation this morning in Ilkeston, and I say it without any sense of hesitation, and God is wanting to increasingly position you to trust you with more. If you like, if I can put it this way, he's watching. He's observing. He's seeing your faithfulness and your stewarding in the little things. He's seeing that as he comes to the kitchen, you're feeding the workers every day. For some people, that's literally, it's called food bank. Week after week after week after week after week. For other people, of course, it's a metaphor, it's a description. But God is seeing you, God is watching, God is observing. And as you are faithful in those areas, he is going to come to put you in charge of whatever the whole operation is. He's going to give more. He's going to bless. He's going to promote. He's going to pour in. He's going to take you to places that you never thought were possible. He's going to pull something out of your heart that could only be God's. 
That's what God wants to do. And then you will be blessed to be a blessing. There are people in the arena of the church this morning, congregation, and God wants to use you to be a blessing, not only to hundreds, but to thousands. That the reach of your life, your ministry, the scope of what God wants to use in your life will go way beyond the walls and perimeters of your thinking. If you will continually steward well and continually be what God has called you to be. I see it. I believe it. I'm expecting it to happen in Jesus' name. You see, sometimes when God seems to be doing nothing, he's doing everything. He really is. He's doing everything because he is continually looking upon you and seeing the position that's being taken for him to pour out of this amazing blessing. One final quote on the board as we come to a conclusion this morning. Somebody said this, when we give our all to God, we are really taking our hands off what already belongs to him. When we give our all to God, stop saying mine, 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 mine. When we give our all to God, then we are taking our hands off what already belongs to him. Can you remember before you became a Christian? Mine, mine, mine. And then you've gone on this journey of following Jesus. It's just been amazing. You've realized how he's blessed you, how he's forgiven you how he's given you a second chance, how he's restored you, how he's used you in the church, how he's gifted you. And increasingly, you just find yourself giving it away to him. That is the greatest place to be in all of the world. Let's pray, friends, that God will continue to help us. Let's pray that God will continue to help us move towards a blessed life. This morning, just a simple message on the power of stewardship. A realisation that we are in charge of a property that belongs to the Almighty. A responsibility to guard it, to maintain it, and to surrender it to him. And then a reward. God coming, God hovering, God speaking over our lives, God touching us, God reading our motives because they're weighed of the Lord's. And this morning, I encourage you to draw near to God. It may be for the first time. It may be that you've tried to be in control of everything in your life. But this morning, God is just speaking to your heart and saying, please, just give it to me. That's the most liberating place you can be in all the world when you have given it to me. It may be this morning that you're a Christian. And sometimes there's some battles and shifts in your heart still. You're still tempted sometimes to run to mine and yet you say this morning again, God, it's yours. And it'll help us to be good stewards and so it'll position us to be enjoying a blessed life. Let's pray. In a moment or two, the uh, 